Good morning, and welcome back to Word, here and there, Inspirational Plus. I am Carolyn, your podcast host. Today's inspirational quote is, Hello Wednesday, be present in all things and thankful for all things. Just a little bit in the news today. Panera, drink is linked to the second death in a lawsuit. A family blames heavily caffeinated lemonade for a man's cardiac event. A Florida man died after drinking three servings of a heavily caffeinated beverage from Panera Bread, according to a lawsuit filed against the company on Monday. It is the second lawsuit linking the beverage charged lemonade to a death. The man was 46-year-old. He suffered a cardiac event while walking home. Of course... Those caffeinated drinks have a lot of kick, especially the monster drinks. They're not good for you. And for him to have three caffeinated drinks, that is hard on the heart. I mean, he might have done it before, but they're just not good. The monster drinks and all the other energy drinks and where people drink two and three to keep going. It's just not good. Some more stuff in the news. The Air Force identifies the crew lost in the crash. Air Force Special Operations Commander said Tuesday it has identified the eight service members lost when their Osprey crashed off the coast of Japan last week and was now focused on recovering all of their bodies in the aircraft. This has happened so many times with this Osprey. I mean, there's been at least three or four different accidents where soldiers were quit were killed. I don't see why they won't take this Osprey down and not allow the soldiers to fly it until they figure out what the problem is. Also in the news, in Austin, Texas, a pregnant Texas woman whose fetus has a fatal diagnosis asked a court Tuesday to let her have an abortion, bringing what her attorney says is the first lawsuit of its kind in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court last year. Texas is one of the 13 states that banned abortion at nearly all stages of pregnancy. Although Texas allows exceptions, doctors and women have argued in court this year that the state's law is so restrictive and vaguely worded that physicians are fearful of providing abortions, lest they face potential criminal charges. Kate Fox, 31, is 20 weeks pregnant and has been told by doctors that her baby is likely to be stillborn or live for a week at most, according to the lawsuit filed in Austin. The lawsuit says doctors told her their hands are tied under Texas abortion ban. Kate Cox needs an abortion, and she needs it now, the lawsuit reads. Spokesperson for the Texas Attorney General Office, which has defended the ban in court, did not immediately respond to a message seeking comment. Molly Dwayne Cox, lawyer and attorney for the Center for Reproductive Rights, said Tuesday that a court has not yet scheduled a hearing, but one could happen later this week. In cases like that, it looks like it would be obvious. Why would you want someone to bring a child into the world that has a, a death sentence pretty much after they're born? Why would you put the mother through that? It's just... Um, you know, certain things have to be put into place. It's got to be worded exactly the right way so that both parties understand what is going on. Here's another story, but this one was like a Dear Abby. 
man's life really opened up post-divorce, though it didn't do the same for X child. Three years ago, I woke up in the fact that I wasn't happy with my life. The pandemic made me realize there are no guarantees and you have to live your life now. I'd been married five years, right out of college, to my high school sweetheart, and it hit me that I was 27 with a wife and kid and mortgage, living like I was 40. And if I didn't do something, life was going to pass me by. As much as it hurt, I left and started over, and I'm so happy now. I have a great apartment. I'm getting noticed at work. I'm dating casually. I'm even planning on three-week trip to South America. Life has really opened up for me. I wish I could say the same of my ex-wife, but she has just shut down. She moved back in with her folks, which is so sad. She never had her own place, and she even lived at home during college. From what I can tell, she doesn't date, even though she's a young, good-looking woman with a good job, and our son is old enough now to leave with a babysitter. I'll always love her. I've tried reaching out, but she doesn't respond to any overtures unless it's about our son. You got a letter recently from someone who didn't like questions from her ex about her love life. I'm honestly not doing that. I don't care if she dates. I just want her to have a fulfilled life. I'd like to get together with her and talk about what she's doing and encourage her to want more for herself. Is that out of line? Well, you know, you're the one that left and now you're concerned about her. So the answer was, you divorced your standing to want things for her. So yes, out of line. Apparently, you also left her to do the heavy daily work of living a premature middle age and rearing your son, son, sorry, while you went out and got your 20s back, out of line and in her face. Over the years, I read letters with some nerve, but this one has some freaking nerve. That's two levels up from basic nerve. You don't mention anything about money, and maybe that's because it isn't an issue, and maybe that's because you're giving her enough in child support and possibly alimony to enable her to move herself and your son out of her parents' home into quality housing of her own, and she simply has chosen not to do that. If so, then okay. I'll back off that part of it. And if you share custody, or if she has your son because you tried for but weren't awarded custody, then I might even lay down a few of my torches and pitchforks. But even if you didn't dump all your responsibilities only your marriage, then there are still layers of, oh my God, here, including that you didn't mention the financial or custodial arrangements at all in your letters, lamenting her choices. It's relevant, no? Whether she can club hop with life and spend three weeks overseas while you primary parent, and then there's the ick of condolences. Condolence session may be sad to her if what you did or an apartment for her and kid and full is life a multi-generational, multi-adult household gives your child. Not that this way or your way or whatever other way is right, just that a narrow mind is wrong. Read what you wrote again and imagine it's through her eyes this time. Then once more, through a friendly, disinterested newspaper stranger's eyes. Maybe she thinks the definition of sad is to equate a spouse home and a child to having lice pass me by. And then there's your complete omission. Maybe it's denial of how her embracing your vision of more 
would conveniently let you off the guilt hook. I will go on record now, as I probably should have a few harumpants paragraphs ago, with my firm belief that white-knuckling through life in an unhappy marriage is not a virtue. If you were miserable, and if you threw your whole self into trying to fix the marriage, only to feel just as stuck, then a choice to leave was valid and arguably necessary. But how and whom you leave matters. So if you slot off all that life weight onto her, instead of carrying every ounce of it that you were still responsible for, then you own that, whether she lives happily ever after you or not, just as you don't own her struggle anymore if you're pulling your weight. Absent these key details, I have to give you two answers. If you do owe her more as a co-parent, then improve her life by stepping up more as a co-parent, not by appointing yourself her life coach. If you already do beyond your share as a co-parent, then trust and accept that as your only appropriate contribution to her prospects in life, which are otherwise not up to you or not up to her, either way, if you ever find yourself encouraging her to want more, put your fist in your mouth. I definitely agree. I hope you all have a great day. This is Hump Wednesday. Take care of yourselves.